This is the Bates Bobcast, our weekly podcast where we take a look at the week that was in Bates Athletics. My name is Aaron Morse, and this week we're looking back on the head of the Charles, our rowing team's first fall regatta of the year, with senior co-captain Molly Pritz. The men's soccer team stunned Middlebury on the road, and the field hockey team achieved a big milestone. All that and more, coming up on the Bates Bobcast. The football team visited Middlebury on Saturday and quickly grabbed a 9-0 lead over the Panthers. Joe Frake got the game off on a good note with an interception, and punter Justin Foley pinned the Panthers at their own one-yard line. Then the Bobcat defense, led by Mark Upton, attacked and got two points on the board thanks to his safety. After getting the ball in great field position, it was the offense's turn to put points up on the board. Sophomore Sandy Plash gets connected with Brian Daly for a 48-yard touchdown strike. The extra point put Bates up 9-0 with 8.49 left in the first quarter. The Bobcats still had the 9-0 lead at the end of the first, but after that it was all Panthers. Jared Lebowitz passed for 394 yards and three touchdowns as Millbury scored 28 unanswered points to beat Bates 28-9. On Monday, we spoke to head coach Mark Harriman to recap the Middlebury game and to preview the start of the CBB series this Saturday against Colby. Well, Coach, the game against Middlebury could not have started any better for you guys. You got that um, big interception by Joe Frake when he was able to tip it and come down with it, break down that play, and the play Frake made to start off the game. Yeah, I, you know, it was, uh, uh, it was, I think, well executed by everybody. We got... Uh, they sprinted out, and um, Joe was did a great job getting a lot of width on the on the route. And uh, um, we our defensive end Jack Maritz was able to get wide and, and contain everything. And uh, Mark Upton second contained it and got a little pressure. And and uh, quarterback had to throw the ball, and Joe made a, a a great play and put us our offense in in really good field position. And the offense did have to punt, but Justin Foley able to pin him at the one-yard line. That's nice to see after the kind of special teams troubles of previous week, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. You know, he he uh, he did a great job all day, but that was that was a huge one. You know, it was we were in cl- getting close to the range of whether we were going to go for it on fourth down or not, and um, you know, we made the decision to 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 let him try to, which he's done a great job of, really through his career but uh let him trying to get the ball down in there tight and he just he did a phenomenal job with it and then that set up a play where mark upton was able to tackle the back in the end zone for the safety this is him making plays right that's all he does <laughs> yeah i mean I, in nothing away from mark because he you know obviously but there were a lot of guys around the ball on that one i mean you know we we as as uh, we stat a little differently than than the the guys in the box because we, obviously we can run it back and forth and it was technically it was a half a, a half a half a TFL for uh, for a couple of guys okay. but Mark was certainly one of them and uh, you know we, like I said we had a lot of guys around the football and uh, you know it was that was a, a great a great lift for our, for our team. Yeah, it always seems like no matter what level, whether it be high school, college, even the NFL, when you're backed up on your one-yard line, it's very difficult for the offense. Uh, tell us a little bit, for, maybe for fans who might not understand, because uh, why it makes it so difficult and why it maybe puts more pressure on them. Yeah, well, it, you know, again, I think part of the part of the issue is um, you two things. You want to, first and foremost, the thought is to get enough 
room to be able to kick the ball out. Um, you know, very few teams are going to take, especially inside the one, take, take a shot at throwing the ball. So, you know, it, it leads into playing aggressively defensively. Um, and, uh, you know, again, we were able to do that and, and come away with it. You know, one of the problems I think nowadays, and I'm sounding old school here, is that with everybody in the shotgun, you know, the ball's technically going to be about four yards deep in the end zone when the, when the ball carrier actually gets it in his hands. So that, to me, is another, you know, positive for the defense. Sure, and then um, Bates was able to take a 9 nothing lead when uh, Sandy found Brian Daly for a long touchdown. What happened on that play to allow Daly to get open? And, I mean, what, Bailey's been a big playmaker so far. I'm going to tell us a little bit more about him and his development. Yeah, well, he's done a good job all year long. You know, I mean, he's he's a guy that's really put his time in and um, has, has shown flashes along the way, but really taking the next step as far as being a, you know, a... a a guy that we can count on to make plays. Um, he's he's certainly got good speed. He can get get off the line of scrimmage and release, and and uh, um, has done a good job catching the ball as well. It, it, the play itself was the Sandy was able to to break contain, and they were in man coverage. And again, anytime you can extend a play when when a team's in man coverage, similar to you know what what we did a couple of weeks ago with with in the last two weeks actually with Sean Peterson and and Frankie the week before that is. You know, it, uh, uh, Sandy did a good job of getting his eyes downfield and seeing that, that Brian had his guy beat and, you know, got the ball to him. Nice. But then after that, Middlebury woke up, I guess. I mean, what change did you see? Since it changed, was there a turning point in the game that you observed? Uh, we gave him too many opportunities. You know, we we can't turn the ball over three times against a, a, a quality opponent. You know, again, arguably the – top team if not one of the two top we'll find out this week who the top team is but um they you know they they've got a phenomenal quarterback he's as good as I've seen in the 19 years that I've been here um with his arm strength and again his ability to extend plays but um you know again we gave him too many opportunities uh besides not when we turn the ball over it, it takes one less chance for us to score it gives them another opportunity to be on the field and uh, um, you know I thought overall defensively we did a great job as far as um, stepping up situationally you know we they they had the ball in in uh, our territory five or six times and came away empty um, except for a couple of times and um, you know, they, they hit a couple of big plays on us, which we, we anticipate that that's going to happen. We just, as I, I think I mentioned to you last week, we needed to, you know, keep them off the field. And, and we certainly were a little bit, we were better than a week ago offensively, but we need to be more consistent. Um, there were times we showed flashes of, of, of really coming around and being able to do the things we need to do. And and then um, there were other times we, we were, you know, very inconsistent. So we got to certainly get that squared away for this week. Both teams have to play in the same weather, but how do rainy conditions impact a football game? Maybe specifically this one, perhaps, if at all. I don't think it had any impact. Um, you know, the, the playing on field turf is a little bit different than playing in in, in mud. Uh, right. So, the, you know, the, the field conditions were not an issue. Um, it w the wind was not really an issue. Uh, they they had predicted heavy winds, but we didn't get it at game time. And um, you know, again, we've played in enough wet conditions, practice and, and games that it, it's, you know, unless the balls are absolutely completely soaked, it's it's not an issue. I don't think that had anything to do with, 
their turnovers or our turnovers. It was just, you know, um, we, uh, you know, they, again, both teams were on the same field. Right. So, Peter Boyer led the team in rushing. Um, obviously, he's a sophomore. He got some playing time last year. He's been getting a lot of playing time this year. What are your observations about his performance so far this season and, and as one of the primary dive backs? Yeah, no, he's doing a good job. I mean, it, you know, he uh, he continues to run hard, which is what we need that that position to do. I mean, it, it certainly sets everything else up, and um, you know, he has the ability to to see when he does have, you know, more than three yards in a cloud of dust to be able to to be able to wind back or, or hit it out front side and, and make something out of it. Anybody stand out to you in that game? I mean, obviously, uh, you know, a, a tough loss, but a good start to the game. Anybody else who stood out that you wanted to uh, um, tell us about from that game? Yeah, I, I, I thought Tyler Harrington played uh, probably the best game we've had out of a defensive lineman here in, in uh, quite a while, to be honest with you. He, 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 you know, has been coming on every week, and just both he and Jack Merritts, I thought, played really, really well at the edge positions for us, and, and that was a – you know, a big positive as far as get, being able to get pressure on, on a, a very good quarterback and um, thought that they really both took a, took a ne- the next step. Excellent. So Harrington and Merritt's guys to watch out for this upcoming week, perhaps, against Colby coming to town, beginning of the CBB, how pumped is the team? Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, this is this is it. I mean, if you, you can't get excited about this one, this for us, this this is the, the part of our, you know, irregardless of where we are in, in the – the the first part of the season this is this is just a huge game being at home in front of our our home fans is is always great and uh you know i i know our guys will be really excited to to go out and get after colby last year a 10 to 9 victory over colby at their place uh defensive struggle justin foley won nescac special teams performer of the week for painting them inside the 20 a bunch of times do you anticipate another perhaps defensive struggle based on the personnel, or what do you think in, in terms of what you've seen from them on film? Yeah, well, I, I mean, again, I think you know they, they're they're probably very similar to us. Um, you know, they've played some really good teams in in the first five weeks, um, and they probably, if you look statistically, are almost exactly like we are defensively, um, and we're both probably trying to find our identity. They've played a freshman quarterback the last couple of weeks, uh, you know, and, and um, so we're, we're probably two very similar teams. Um, you know, again, playing, unless people have played in this type of rivalry, you literally, you know, a team could be 5-0 and right. and the other team could be 0-5 and five and um, it would it would go down to the wire. I mean, it, we we very rarely had a game that wasn't a you know a really close game going down into the fourth quarter. Uh, it's just you know the the guys on on both sides uh, of the field understand that the significance of the game and the history of, around it, and and uh, you know we're certainly excited to play in it. Yeah, what would it mean to the program to win three straight outright CBB titles? Because I think that has that's never been done. Maybe in the main state series back in the eighteen hundreds, but not not since then. Yeah, I mean, it's just you know, it's something that we strive for every year. I mean, it's 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 certainly you know, it, we've got the trophy right now, and we'd like to keep it here. So uh, you know, it's it's definitely a. Uh, you know, to me, that's somewhat when we when we talk to the team a little bit of an afterthought. That's you know re- reaping the rewards of going out and winning a game. Um, you know, this is this is the again. I know it's a coaching cliche, but it's it's obviously a huge game. But it's the next game on our schedule, and it's it's 
a team that I think matches up with us well. That's a positive and and somewhat a negative. And uh, um, we we got to go out and execute. You know, we got to we've got to be a better team when when we all wake up on next Sunday than than we were. Um, you know, right now. All right, coach. Thanks so much. We're looking forward to the Colby game this Saturday. Thanks. The field hockey team got the week off to a strong start with a 4-0 victory over Southern Maine on Tuesday. The win gives the Bobcats eight on the season, their most in one year since 1999. We caught up with head coach Danny Ryder right after the game. Well, coach, a midweek here, 4-0 non-conference victory over Southern Maine. one nothing lead at halftime, got three goals in the second half. What picked things up for you all in the second half, you think? Um, we just talked about our intensity was really good, but it needed to be a bit more purposeful. The first half intensity was good. They were creating a ton of opportunities, but it just wasn't purposeful in the sense of finishing that last little play. We were just rushing it once we got into the 25, so we just adjusted that, and they did a really nice job with it couple of goals for first-year Issa Garcia-Moreno. She had a couple goals earlier in the year, and now two more here. What's been her progress this season? Um, I think her progress has just come along with just practices, and she's really put a lot of hard work into practice, and she goes at the same pace all the time, and so it's just going to pay off for her the more she trains that way. Excellent. And then, obviously, uh, eight wins now this year. That is the most for the program since 1999. Mm -hmm. What does that mean to you as a head coach? Um, it means a lot, and I think it means a lot to the to the team as well. We since day one getting here, and some of these girls have graduated, but they hold that same sentiment of we are only willing to build up, and so it's just nice when we reach those little milestones. But um, we just want to keep moving forward and not and not ever settle. While the field hockey and women's soccer teams fell at Middlebury on Saturday, the men's soccer team pulled off an upset defeating the number 15 nationally ranked Panthers 3-2 in overtime. Senior Matt DeVete scored both goals in regulation, and Peebo Knoth scored the game winner in the extra session. Head coach Stuart Flaherty joined the Bobcast to recap the win. 3-2 overtime victory over the number 15 team in the country, Middlebury. First take us through the, the match. I know it was a wet conditions. How your team handled it? Yeah, it was really wet conditions, which uh, I'm from Middlesbrough, England, and it never rains there, so it was really something to get used to. Um, we went 1-0 down in the game. We didn't play great in the first half hour. They ended up with a lot of free kicks in our half. We ended up de uh, defending an awful lot of set players. Um, there was a couple of tactical things we were doing to not make our own life easy, uh, but we managed to get uh, back in level at half halftime. Uh, Erica Poku picked the ball up, found Justin Yacovino, um, passed it quickly, one touch to Matt DeVete, who hit uh, one of the best goals I've seen all season. Uh, then we made some adjustments at halftime. Um, played really well second half, I think. I mean, I don't know the stats, but I, I'm, a, I'm a believer we outplayed them second half for sure. Uh, we took a 2-1 lead. Um, they equalized in the last 15 minutes with, a, uh, I believe, a questionable set play that they were given. Um, but, you know, and there's another kick in the teeth for the boys that they bounced back from, play very strong in overtime. Uh, Julian, the left back, uh, put a cross in. Ma Nate Merchant redirects it, and Peebo showed fantastic uh, composure um, to score what was his 20th career goal, and uh, what a time to score it. Yeah, I know Peebo. I mean, we'll talk about Matt Devine in a moment, but Peebo obviously has, you know, he's played well this year. The goals haven't been coming until quite recently. So, what's it say about him to you know keep his head up and you know keep moving forward? Yeah, he's played outstanding. I mean, the 
goals are one stat, um, but if you were tracking you know, ground cover defensively, if you were tracking turnovers forced in the opposing half, if we're tracking passes completed in the attacking third, um, which we don't have the money for that kind of software, <laughs> but it is out there in pro soccer, um, no one would be concerned about Peebo at all. He's played very well. Um, we've had 14 games, he's had 14 good games, and yeah, now there's three goals. Um, with hopefully some more to come on top of that. Sure, and then now Matt DeVete, our male Bobcat of the Week. Uh, two goals for him. He's got five this year. Senior year, a breakout year. He's healthy now. That's the biggest difference, right? Yeah. Yeah, no, Matt has been beyond outstanding on and off the field. He uh, he played on one of the best uh, youth teams in America, actually played in the national championship game uh, as a youth player before coming to Bates. He's played left back, right back, centre mid, left wing, right wing, attacking centre mid, centre forward. He's had two or three long-term injuries. You know, he's had he's had everything thrown at him, and you know, I, I believe that most college students, uh, given the adversity Matt had had, um, wouldn't have been as motivated. And in the place he was coming into the senior year, I think he's done a fantastic job. And then Middlebury, kind of a rival for the men's soccer team. I know you guys played for a trophy, right? Tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah, um, the Reynolds Cup. So it's Thomas Hadley Reynolds. Uh, he was an administrator, if not athletic director, of both schools. Um, he think I think he set up the. I'm going off the top of my head here, but I think he set up the Middlebury soccer program. Mm-hmm. And uh, when he sadly passed away, there was a trophy commissioned um, that's awarded. It's a rivalry trophy between the uh, the two schools. Um, I've won it twice in my time here, both times at Middlebury, never at home yet. Um, but yeah, I mean to to be given, you know. A trophy and a symbol of success is something the kids certainly deserve this year. So that was a nice moment. Yeah, because the team has definitely persevered. I mean, it's been sort of a tough season at times, some close losses. What does that say about your team that they're just still, you know, playing hard? You know, second to last game of the year there against Middlebury. I think the toughest challenge in college sports is to go into the end of the season as motivated as you came in, um, to be all on the same page, all unified, strong relationships with each other players and coaches, players to player. I think regardless of sport, that is hands down one of the toughest uh, things to do, given the uh, stresses that you know life and college will throw at you on a daily basis. And they have absolutely done that and getting the rewards now. Yeah, another guy who's had a breakout year I want to talk about is Nate Merchant. I mean, this guy, he is really, he's leading the team in goals. He's really stepped up big time, especially in the second half of the season here as a junior. I mean, he had a big freshman year too, but how about him now? What are you seeing from him? Yeah, I mean, we changed his position. He played right wing uh, for four or five games, and then he uh, played center forward for the last seven, I think. And it might be one goal in those five games as a right winger and six in the seven as a forward so maybe I was the problem and I had him in the wrong position but no he's he's asked uh, tactically and effort wise he's done everything we asked him to do he's very fast he's very confident um, he's an excellent centre forward you know, I think he causes a lot of problems for every team we play against Last home game of the year this week against Colby on Garcelon there uh, what are you hoping to see from your team and what are you looking back to right now in the season so far in terms of you know progress the team has made steps to improve for next year Same thing we saw last week You know, last weekend they were motivated they went out there we built the first 15 minutes of the games on the things we talked about that I'm not going to be putting out there before we play Colby Um and they played extremely well. They had adversity thrown at them in multiple ways, big and small, throughout the game, and they bounced back every time and came back on the winning end. So that's uh, that's what we try and do against Colby or really anyone, anyone we play. All right, Stuart Flaherty, thanks so much. Thanks, Aaron. David's performance stands out the most from Saturday's victory. His two goals give him five on the year, second most on the team. For his efforts, David is our male Bobcat of the Week.
Talking to Matt DeVete, our male Bobcat of the Week here on the Bobcast. First of all, I want to ask you about the game against Middlebury. Uh, 3-2 overtime victory. You had two goals in that contest. Uh, take us through the goals. I know the first one you really blasted from about 25 yards out into the top of the net there. Uh, yeah. Um, first one was a nice play by um, Justin Yagavino who got me the ball. Uh, I was lucky enough to be able to turn on it. And uh, I just found a little bit of an opening. And uh, Stu always says we have to shoot the ball a lot. So I was just able to get a shot off and luckily went in. And the second one, take us through that one. second one was uh, off a set piece. Luke McNabb played a ball in. Um, I was lucky enough to be able to get my head on it. Um, the goalie was uh, kind of out of position, so I just redirected it to the back post, and it found the net, which was nice. So, What did it mean to the team to get a victory over a nationally ranked opponent like that? Uh, it, was, it was big. Um, it was against Middlebury. We have uh, the, the Reynolds Cup against them. Uh, we haven't won that since 2012, which is the year before I got here. So the last three years we we've lost to Middlebury and it was just re- it was really nice to you know get a victory over them on especially as a senior um, be able to hold the trophy at least once which is good. Yeah, and you've got five goals this year now I believe, and as a senior and um, kind of breakthrough year, what's really been clicking this year for you? Um, I don't know, not much. I mean, I've been kind of approached the season the same. Um, uh, I've been lucky to have stayed pretty healthy this season. The last couple of years I've been hurt um, for some like, significant portions of the season um, but I don't know I'm just thankful my teammates uh, have been getting me the ball in good situations and I'm glad I've been able to finish it for him so. so the last few years when you've been injured how did you deal with kind of battling back from those injuries um, well I always just stayed focused um, that's just one thing Stu always tells us is stay focused on what your goal is it's nothing comes easy don't expect anything to happen quickly for you um, so I've always just, you know, stayed focused on that and I just worked back. I mean, I love soccer, so not being able to play, you know, hurt, but, you know, getting back as quick as I could was, was always on my mind. So. Great. And then, uh, you're a senior now and you're, you're from New Jersey, right? Yeah. So how did you end up coming up to Maine? How did you first learn about Bates back in the day? Um, well, when I was playing club soccer, doing the rounds of sending emails out and hoping to get recruited, um, I was seen at a tournament in Pennsylvania by Stu. Um, I got the email. I knew Bates, the name. I, I knew the NESCAT conference and the, the academic prestige that it has. And that was always something important to me. It was academics. So um, when I got that email, I was really excited about it and made my trip up here. And I loved it right away and decided this is the way I wanted to be. So Last home game coming up. Uh, <laughs> has it hit you yet? Um, I think... It will after the game, knowing that it's kind of the end of my college career, probably my soccer, competitive soccer career. Um, it's going to be different because we already had our senior day on against Con College, and that it happened like so early because we had what, four or five more games left that like it didn't really feel like the end, but it kind of felt like the end then. But no, um, it'll probably hit me at the end of the game, not. I'm not too worried about it until then. So, yeah. All right, great. Matt, thanks so much for your time. Congrats again on being our male Bobcat of the Week. All right, thank you so much. The volleyball team scored a 3-0 victory over Maine Maritime on Tuesday and followed that up with a 3-0 victory over Worcester State on Saturday. Although they fell to Clark later that day, 3-1, Bates got a big week from first-year libero Gabby Istosh. She averaged 6.9 digs and 1.2 assists per set and committed only one receiving error over the past three matches. For her efforts... Istosh is our female Bobcat of the Week. 
Joined by our female Bobcat of the Week, Gabby Istosh, here on the Bobcast. And Gabby, first of all, you're a first year coming up from New York to Maine. What's the adjustment been like so far for you? Um, it's The weather is pretty close, similar to what it's like in New York, so that hasn't been too bad. Um, I kind of miss the city, being in the middle of nowhere, but it's I like it here. It's fun, yeah. Yeah, so a little bit of a cultural adjustment, perhaps? Yeah, definitely. It's weird not hearing, like cars and people all the time but I like the peace it's like peaceful here so I like that yeah and what attracted you to Bates out coming out of high school um just the people here were really nice and you get that at all the liberal arts schools but just here like specifically the people um I don't know I just got a certain feeling so I just went with it excellent then what are your teammates been like uh, the adjustment here to college uh they're really nice and fun <laughs> um I don't know what else to say. I love them. Um, they've been really helpful and with my transition here, so yeah. Now you play a unique position in volleyball, the libero position. Uh, how long have you been playing that and what, what does it take to make a successful libero in your opinion? Um, <laughs> I started playing libero a sophomore in high school. I played middle my freshman year, freshman year of high school, so I can be a middle maybe. <laughs> but um, yeah, I started playing at sophomore year as a libero, and I don't know, that's been fun. <laughs> <laughs> what makes a good libero? What's your responsibilities out there? Um, basically, like make sure the ball doesn't hit the floor and just throw yourself all over the place to get anything up. <laughs> The question maybe people who don't normally watch volleyball always ask is, why is that one player wearing a different colored jersey? Uh, what's the reasoning behind that for the libero? Um, so the libero can go in and out um, without being subbed in. So basically that's it. And then I can't go in the, I can't be front row. I can only play back row. And so the different colored jerseys so the refs can easily tell. Yeah. yeah. So it's easier for... Instead of going to the line and like subbing in, I can just run in and they don't have to worry about my position or um, <laughs> anything, yeah. Great, great. And then obviously um, you got a couple more matches left in the regular season, Hamilton and then Middlebury. I know, has anyone talked to you about last year's Hamilton match and how exciting it was, anything like that? Um, no, actually. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm sure I'll get that before the game, but um, I don't know. I just am excited. We're going to kill it, hopefully. <laughs> yeah. I know because you're playing for a NESCAC tournament bid. I mean, you know, yeah. have, do you look at the standings ever? Um, yes. So we have to win at least one more game to for sure be in the tournament. So it's pretty serious. We're taking it seriously, and hopefully we get the result we want. Yeah. Sounds good, Gabby. Thanks so much, and congrats again on being our female Bobcat of the Week. Thank you. <laughs> the rowing teams competed at the head of the Charles this past Sunday. In the Collegiate Eights, the Bates men's rowing team finished ninth out of 37 boats. And the women's team entered two boats, with the first varsity eight finishing fourth out of 28 crews, and the second varsity eight finishing 12th. Senior co-captain Molly Pritch joined the Bobcast to recap what's known as the world's largest fall regatta. Recapping the head of the Charles here on the Bobcast with uh, senior co-captain Molly Pritz. And first of all, first varsity eight stroke for the head of the Charles. What was that like for you? Because I know you're normally in the past years, but in the second varsity eight. Yeah, it was really fun. I actually sat in the same seat my freshman year. Um, very different crew. None of the same people were um, going down the course with me this time, but um, it was a great way to recap um, my four years. Sure, absolutely. And then obviously the environment there, there's so many crews from all over the world, right? I mean, what's that like? Yeah, it's it's really hectic. Um, 
even just going up to the start, there are people cheering the entire way for the races that are going down in the opposite direction. Um, there are spectators lining five kilometers of the Charles River, people that know nothing about rowing and people that are diehard rowing fans um, all come out in, uh, into downtown Boston and watch. So it's really exciting. So from your perspective, I mean, how do you avoid getting caught up in like all the atmosphere and stuff? <laughs> we we definitely focus on it in practice and tuning into our coxswain's voice. And uh, we do a lot of mental training to be able to tune everything else out, um, both when we're racing and as we're heading up, because um, it can be extremely distracting. But the coxswain during this race is making some really critical moves. And if the crew isn't responding, then... Uh, the steering and the passing and all of that will become very um, little fall apart. <laughs> yeah, I find this interesting because this head of the Charles race is nothing like the races you do in the spring. It's longer. It there's turns. I mean, do you do you prefer this? Is it more fun, or do you do you like it in a small dosage, perhaps? Yeah, it's it's very different. Um, it's challenging because you don't really know where you are, so um, you have boats racing ahead of you often and racing behind you and you can kind of tell if you're watching them if they're gaining on you and the coxswain will tell you if you're gaining on the other crews but um there can be boats for example in our race the boat that started seventh won um and the boat that started first got third so it's really hard to know as you're going down the course where you stand whereas in the spring if you're all going down at the same time um you're looking out the coxswain's looking out you're using your peripherals and you know exactly where you're sitting um and the steering is crazy there's passing and <laughs> uh overtaking crews and crashes but um luckily all of our boats took beautiful lines and um no crashes this year yeah a fourth place finish um for the first varsity eight you know you know pretty solid ahead the defending national champions wellesley i believe and so but you can't really judge where you're at now can you i mean on this type of course compared to what you do in the spring um Yes and no. I think it's it's exciting because um, there's a strong pack of of teams that are um, kind of at the top leading Division Three rowing, and the very top of that, um, the champions every year has been changing. So it's changed the last four years. So that's really exciting. And the fall is somewhat of a predictor to test your speed, but um, at the same time. Uh, lineups change drastically um winter training programs are very different across the country and it's it's hard to know so hopefully we will use this as um momentum into the winter and kind of it'll fuel us through our strong winter training program into the spring all right molly pritch thanks so much for recapping ahead the charles with us thank you <laughs> this upcoming week features some huge games just like last year it's basically coming down to one game against Colby for the field hockey team this Wednesday at 7 o'clock p.m. When and they're in the NESCAC tournament. Volleyball hosts Hamilton Friday at 8 and Middlebury Saturday at 2 with a spot in the NESCAC tournament on the line for them as well. The cross-country teams head to the NESCAC championships this weekend. And of course, football hosts Colby Saturday at 1 o'clock p.m. for the start of the CBB series. We will recap all that and more next time on The Bates. Bobcast. Bobcast.